0: Safeties drop really deep, handoff, Sermon over the left side, big hole, 30, first down, 25, 20, breaks a tackle, 15, 10, 5, the Minister is into the end zone, Preach! Mason takes the ball, takes a handoff, fires over the middle, it's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone! He juggled it for a moment, but got it back, pistols firing, touchdown Oklahoma State, Marcel Aitman! There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line, Jesse 25-20, 15-10, 5 to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score! Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horned Frogs now go up 13-7. Yes! Country stations yeah, we're one big country nation That's right I'll tell you what the best quarterback battle in the big 12 is not down in Austin Texas instead. It's in Manhattan, Kansas. I believe that firmly. Pete Munda with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Great to be here as always as uh, we come to you through heartlandcollegesports.com. I am now in Kansas City full-time. If you missed this, I mentioned it. I moved from New York City where I was working at CBS Sports Radio and Fox News. And before that, I was in Woodward, Oklahoma at K101 and Z92. Just moved starting a new morning show at KCMO Radio in Kansas City and one of the great benefits of this is I'm back in Big 12 country. I can give you better coverage. And a lot of our guys, all of our guys, are down in Oklahoma and Texas. That's Derek Duke, Matthew Postons, Cam Brock, and Dave Beal. I'm now the only guy here up in Big 12 North Country. So I got to the K-State spring game on Saturday, and what a treat it was. First off, uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, outstanding, fantastic. Considering the weather, the weather was horrendous 45 and rainy, but still a good showing now some of the fans just stayed in the um, stayed out in the parking lot and tailgated, but otherwise, I was surprised how many people were at the stadium considering how bad the weather was but it was it was a great day it was great to be there and I really enjoyed my time meeting some people I'd spoken to like. Tim Fitzgerald, Go Powercat, a lot of people like that. So great to meet them. And and watching this quarterback battle, Alex Delton, Skyler Thompson, the strides both of these guys have made is incredible from 2017. Now, hopefully, it's not just because the Kansas State secondary is as leaky as it was last season. I hope that's not the case. But both of these guys look like they could lead legitimate Big 12 contenders this fall. Delton's footwork was smooth. He was comfortable in the pocket, passing the ball, and Thompson looked good as well. I thought Delton looked better, but interestingly enough, it was Thompson who was the first quarterback to address the media after the spring game on Saturday. So that was a little surprising to me. But as Bill Snyder said time and time again after the game in the press conference, he said that, you know, we can look at the glitz and the glamour and the completion percentages and all this kind of stuff ultimately, that race is going to come down to who's a better manager as well, who takes care of the ball, all these things that, uh, you know, Bill Snyder cares about way more than who's got the bigger arm. We know that's how Bill Snyder operates, that's what makes him great, and that's going to be a big part of what he does. Uh, Chebastian Taylor had a great game, a wide receiver, who is, I mean, looks like he's going to be a big deal here in the Big 12 for the Wildcats and across the conference over the next couple of seasons. He was absolutely outstanding. So a really enjoyable spring game there in Manhattan. Great stadium, good time, a uh, nice town too. So I'm looking forward to getting back there for a handful of uh, games this fall. It should be a, a really good time. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun to get a better look or a more in-depth look into what's going on there with the Kansas State Wildcats and how that's going to play out moving forward. Around the rest of the conference, we did also have Matthew Postens. He was down at the Baylor spring game, and he gave you some good insight. If you haven't, go to heartlandcollegesports.com, check out the Baylor page, and you'll have videos. You'll have a breakdown of the players for that game as well, if you haven't seen that yet, on the website. And then, of course, the Texas Longhorns played their spring game. Derek Duke covered that one for us. Uh, he caught the game start to finish. And, of course, a lot of focus on the quarterback situation for the Texas Longhorns and what that means and where that's going to play out and how that's going to play out. Well, more importantly, you have people after the game asking questions. And it's unbelievable to me. Now, I'm in media, full-time job, of course, morning show host to KCMO. I've worked in. Uh, small markets. I've worked in New York City. I've been all over the place doing this and have and had a decent amount of experience doing it as well. So after the spring game, a couple of uh, reporters for Texas questioned Tom Herman's goal line, not just play calling, but ability. Now don't get me wrong, the Texas play calling and goal line packages were horrendous at times last season under Tim Beck. Hopefully Tom Herman is helping him call the offense this year. Because Tim Beck, I've mentioned on this show, when he was at Ohio State as the offensive coordinator, he replaced Herman after Herman took the Houston job. Ohio State fans couldn't stand the guy. I know that for a fact. Could not stand the guy's play calling under Urban Meyer. Then he comes to Texas and the same problem. No one liked his play calling. The end of that Texas Tech game last season has got to be burnt into the minds of Texas Longhorn fans. So Texas has some troubles in the spring game uh, at the goal line. Now, we know the offensive line's a work in progress. Major issues there that guys got to grow up fast and just mature fast because they need it to compete this fall. But at the same time, it's still the damn spring game. Can we relax on the spring game nonsense here for the Texas Longhorns? Do we forget that the spring game in and of itself is basically a scrimmage where you don't want to give anything up to any of your opponents moving forward. That is all it is. But still, the Texas media cannot help itself. They they cannot help it. So they start asking Tom Herman about the goal line stand uh, by the defense and the fact that the offense couldn't pound it in. And Tom Herman finally shot back in a semi-polite manner and was like, guys, do we really think that those three plays are indicative of what we can and can't do in offense? That three plays in a spring game with a split team is indicative of what we can and can't do. We have this audio, Derek Duke caught this, we have the audio on our website, and it's pretty amazing too, because if you watch the post-game press conference on the Texas website, they conveniently leave out that question. And they conveniently leave out that back and forth between Tom Herman and a couple of reporters. And we tweeted it out and a couple of reporters, you know, just uh, trying to take the high road. Guys, you sound like dopes. You sound like total buffoons to be asking about play calling and execution in a spring game. Relax. I know Texas has struggled big time over the past few years. But it's unbelievable to me that You're at the point now where you have guys questioning this kind of stuff in a spring game. I know with each passing year, it feels like spring games get more and more important at the college football level. We put more and more stock into them, which we probably shouldn't do. But you know, we're all dying for football. We're all dying for something to talk about and hear about, and we want something to latch on to. I understand that, but come on, can we please take a step back, please? Is that too much to ask for it doesn't feel like it is but sometimes it does unfortunately uh, turn out that way now there are two more spring games coming up this weekend Kansas and Oklahoma State and I'd be lying to you if I said I was really looking forward to the Kansas spring game I can't say I am I just I can't I can't get myself to lie to you like that I want Kansas to succeed under David Beatty. I thought it was going to happen last year. I thought they could get to that 3-4 win mark and start to get the ball rolling here. I am not convinced of that right now. I'm not. And that's just as much, not an indictment, but a credit to the rest of this conference, which is not letting up one bit. When you play a round-robin schedule like the Big 12 does, it is that much harder to get yourself out of the basement. That's the reality, and that's what the Kansas Jayhawks are right now. It's not like in the SEC or the ACC where some years your schedule's easier than others. In the Big 12, it's the same 10 teams playing each other year in, year out, which actually makes it harder for a school like Kansas to get itself going. And find me who outside of Texas Tech right now is going to take an obvious step back. You want to say Oklahoma? Okay. Maybe they go from 12 wins to 10 wins. That's a big difference than, uh, you know, what some other teams are facing across the country. So Oklahoma State does have some interesting stories, but Spencer Sanders not there yet. So uh, we still, the quarterback, of course, is what everybody wants to talk about. So the storylines have diminished a little bit in Stillwater. But we'll give you our thoughts on that later on in the show as well. Coming up next, our own Cameron Brock is going to join us. Talk some Big 12 baseball. We're on the back end or approaching the back end of conference play and the Big 12 is not going as many predicted. So Cam has been doing a great job with our power rankings and everything else in the Big 12 baseball side. He's going to join us and talk all about the baseball scene coming up next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Pete Mundo back with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Appreciate you guys always joining us. And we now welcome in somebody that you're all very familiar with, uh, whether you follow us football, basketball, or baseball. This guy, the jack of all trades, he does it all. He follows it all for us at heartlandcollegesports.com. And that's Cam Brock. Uh, Cam, always great to talk with you. And let's uh, let's dive right into some baseball here. You have been handling our weekly baseball power rankings. and. You you know, you've ticked off a lot of fans along the way well you've got texas tech number one this week up from the uh, number two spot so give us your reasoning behind uh, this week's rankings especially at the top of the polls
1: well texas tech is obviously the most consistent team texas was the previous number one um after they had gone on the road where they usually have struggled under david pierce and they took two out of three against a an extremely hot oklahoma team an oklahoma team that uh that had a very good march, their bats got clicking, their pitching was doing well, and then Texas goes into Norman and still the series. But then they come back home to Austin and they nearly lose a series to a New Orleans team that had over a two hundred RPI before uh, the weekend. and now they're not now they're one ninety three because they got a win against Texas Sunday. Texas had to claim two come-from-behind victories on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and Nolan Kingham, I, I don't know what's going on with this kid, but uh, he, he used to be the dominating factor. He was supposed to be one of the best pitchers in the Big 12 this year, and uh, he, he only lasted two innings against both Baylor and Kansas State. He's their Friday ace, and this week against New Orleans, He gets hit for three runs in the first inning, six runs total over seven innings, nine hits. This is a New Orleans team with a losing record in the Southland Conference. I I don't really understand what's going on there. So, um, yeah, uh, Texas Tech back in the number one spot, and the reason they're number one over Oklahoma State right now is because I, I think Tech is truly the better team, and if you listen to Brian Haney, uh, on the Kansas call this week, he was basically telling us, look, this Oklahoma State team, they're a solid program, they've got a great history, but talent-wise, they probably will not last uh, through the season as the number one team.
0: Cam Brock, our guest, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, does a great job with our Big 12 baseball coverage. Cam, you had a TCU down in the seventh spot this week, and you wrote... RIP TCU's baseball season. Officially, uh, you killed it off this past Sunday. So when you think about this program reaching four consecutive College World Series appearances, obviously a couple of big injuries have factored in here. But how shocked are you by just how disappointing TCU's been?
1: Anyone who follows baseball did not see this coming. Maybe, maybe a bit of a down year because you had a lot of turnover in the lineup. You lost Evan Scalge, who hit 20 home runs. And um from what we're hearing, um, Evan Scout was uh Jim Sloshnegle Junior. Uh he was the leader in the clubhouse and was a raw raw guy and they don't have that raw raw guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, for the second straight season, they've now lost Jerry Janzak for a few games. He had some neck stiffness this uh this month. He seems to be rehabbing right now. He made a rehab start um Last week on a Tuesday, pitched one inning, looked looked fine. Uh, But then you lose Luke and Baker for the second straight year. TCU is probably going to win the national title last year. They were the unanimous number one pick. Baker goes down with an injury at at Oklahoma. Now this year, he goes down with a leg injury after sliding in the second base uh, against, I believe it was UT Arlington uh, that night. Uh, and this team is already struggling. Uh, Sean Weimer and uh, Nick Lodolo have not been their usual selves. It's It's been a very frustrating season for TCU.
0: Cam, let's talk about the Baylor Bears, who I uh, came in not with high expectations this season, but a young group that was fairly unproven, and it was like, all right, let's see what these guys got. We were just talking about how they just come off the sweep of TCU. Obviously a good rivalry there, but... When you look at what Baylor is capable of, uh, you know, you send me great game notes and you say a best-case scenario, Baylor could go 34-17. and 17. A worst-case, they go 22-29. and 29. That's an awfully large disparity for this team. What do you need to see out of them for them to reach their potential versus completely have it come crashing down?
1: Uh, the the best-case and worst-case is kind of uh, whether they win out or lose out, but uh, this Baylor team, they're... They're improving. They're growing up. Uh, they face some growing pains. Um, and you can see that they have a, a bit of a talent factor when they're able to knock off Texas Tech two out of three games at home. Um, they sweep TCU. Uh, TCU is uh, supposed to be a lot more talented than this Baylor team, and yet they're they're kind of scrappy. They, they will get swept. They've been swept twice this year. Um, they, there wasn't much expectation, but Steve Rodriguez has his team uh, churning and going, and it is very possible that they could make a regional. Right now they're sitting at 50 in the RPI, and uh, they have one of the easier schedules remaining. Um, they've faced all the big dogs uh, pretty much, and Cody Bradford, their Friday ace, he just threw a one-hitter against TCU. Only one walk allowed. Um, When he is on his game, he's almost unhittable. Uh, Tech, by far, the best offense in the league. They could not not get a number on him. Uh, So Cody Bradford is, uh, in my opinion, going to be an MLB prospect, and he's only a sophomore, so they're going to get him back. He's locked in for three years because he did go to the NCAA.
0: Cam Brock, our guest, a part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. You guys read him all the time—football, basketball, baseball. He is a, the ultimate jack of all trades. Let's talk about another team, Cam. You know, when you look at this league overall, I feel like there's been more teams that have um, under, have not reached their potential versus those who have exceeded their potential. I think one of those teams thus far is the West Virginia Mountaineers, off to a four eight starting conference play, and near the bottom of your Big Twelve power rankings. The Mountaineers you mentioned have had the easiest schedule of anyone in the league. You called them the nomads last year because of their hot start on the road. That didn't happen this season. Where have things kind of gone wrong for the Mountaineers?
1: Pitching. Uh, definitely pitching. Um, Cade Stroud, uh, he he doesn't last very long. He's a strikeout pitcher. He's the only guy that's really been a mainstay in their rotation. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, he's, he's in the top ten for strikeouts, but he walks a lot of batters. Not a lot of people put the, back, uh, put the ball in play against him because he's either walking them or striking them out. And uh, when you have a pitcher like that who doesn't last long, you need uh, a bullpen that's full of depth. And West Virginia doesn't have a bullpen full of depth. Um, they don't even have a rotation full of depth. Um one of the bigger disappointments this season in my opinion is uh Braden Jarnisky. Uh he's kind of the showy otani of college baseball right now. If <laughs> you want to give him that much credit. Um he does both. He plays in the field, he hits, he can run, and he, he's also a pitcher, but his pitching this year hasn't been stellar. Um they've been switching guys in and out constantly out of the rotation. B.J. Myers, Alec Manoa, they've even had their closer Shane Ennis start a conference game. So uh, it's I, I'm putting TBA for almost every probable matchup West Virginia has going on because Randy Macy doesn't know his rotation.
0: <laughs> Cam, we got about a minute left here. Let's discuss the big picture for this uh, conference do you see a team, if any, that can make that deep run to a College World Series this year?
1: Texas Tech is probably going to go to Omaha.
0: Um,
1: how far they'll at Omaha depends a lot on their pitching. Um, their, their pitching has fallen down tremendously since the uh, injury to Stephen Gingry. Um, but they've got so much offense. Again, they're the top offense in the league. 131 runs in 15 games. 121 RBIs. No one else has even hit 100 yet. So this is by far the best offense in the league. But they're pitching and they're fielding. Once you get to Omaha, you can't just outslug everybody.
0: Yeah, Cam, great stuff. Cam Brock, our own uh, reporter, columnist, editorialist—he does it all. Cam, thanks so much for a few minutes. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Deep Mundo Final, few minutes with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your Big 12 independent media outlet. Thanks so much, as always, for joining us here, guys. I can't thank you enough for doing it. Now, uh, we have a new feature that's out. Derek Duke, who is our Big 12 uh, football guru, he has started to do a mailbag uh, he's going to be doing this every week and you guys were great with the first one asking him a bunch of questions about how the oklahoma sooner is going to handle snap counts with rodney anderson and trey sermon the texas quarterback battle uh, a lot of different good stuff in there that you guys have to check out on the website well one thing that he was asked that i want to dive into a little bit is the uh, way too early big 12 predictions and Derek's predictions were as follows, Oklahoma, Texas, TCU, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas. Now, uh, I'm going to bring Derek on next week. We'll have this conversation. The two of us will have it uh, because I was going to bring him on anyway next week to talk about Big 12 spring practices being all wrapped up, where we stand, all that good good information that he's going to bring us but I got to say you know here's if you look if I'm looking at this my way too early big 12 predictions my order is going to go as follows I've got to give at this point in time West Virginia an edge because I think they hold the best player in the conference in Will Greer at the most important position and not just the big 12 but in football in general at any level I mean, Will Greer is a guy who, if things break right, he can be a Heisman contender and potentially a Heisman winner. Oklahoma is going to be there because of the talent around that team and on that roster. Kyler Murray's good. He's not Baker Mayfield, but they have so much talent. Offensive line, uh, both sides of the ball, running back. They're going to get by just fine. Texas at number two. I I have way, way too many questions about the Longhorns being at number two to put them up there. I can't do it. Offensive line's a mess. I still don't trust Tim Beck. The quarterback situation, you know, the fact that Buschel and Ellinger are still in a quarterback battle tells me neither guy is necessarily good enough for the job I don't think it's like Kansas State where right now both guys are playing really well and improving maybe Sam Ellinger has improved to the point where he's a legit top tier big 12 quarterback last year as a true freshman I know it's a tough spot it looked like there were flashes of it but I didn't see a guy that I thought was going to be one of the best in the conference or the best in the conference So And there's a lot of missing pieces on defense as well for the Longhorns. I know there's always talent there. It's never a talent issue. But someone's got to find me the reason to believe that Texas is legitimately a top-two player in this conference. I also think that, you know, last couple of years you had Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma as the clear number-one favorite. And then two through six or seven was like you could jumble those teams in any which way you wanted and still come out with – something that made sense and something that you could defend. This year, it feels like one through nine in the Big 12, you could jumble in just about any direction and make a pretty good case for it. So, you know, this is just my two cents. And once again, I'm going to bring Derek Duke on next week. You see him all the time on the website. Uh, He's on Twitter at Derek Duke 25 To have this conversation are way too early Big 12 predictions. And I would also move TCU down from three. They lose a lot of important playmakers, and I need to see more out of what they have going on at the quarterback position and some of these new faces on defense. While I believe in Gary Patterson, I'm just I'm not entirely sold just yet. From what I've seen, just totally off the top of my head, give me West Virginia, give me Oklahoma, then we'll go – Oh boy, do I want to pull the trigger on this? Do I want to pull the trigger on this? Who? Uh, uh, screw it. It's not my official predictions. These are just way too early predictions. Give me West Virginia. Give me Oklahoma. Give me Kansas State. Give me Iowa State. Give me Texas, TCU. Uh, pff, all right, that's good for now. That's all you're getting for now. We'll keep going down from there. You get the idea. I just think the Big 12 is going to be such a jumbled mess, and I mean that in a good way. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. It really is. And, you know, I I say don't sleep in Iowa State because you got Kyle Kem coming back, David Montgomery, solid players on defense, Matt Campbell building that program. I know last year was uh, there were certainly games that could have gone either way, but you're telling me that after last season that program does not have more confidence to build off it? I think it absolutely can. And in a year of the unknown, which is what I'm going to call this season for the Big 12, why the heck not Iowa State? Why not? Give me a good reason why the Cyclones should be given any less of a chance than eight of the other ten teams in the conference. You can't find me one. And it's a little bold for me to put West Virginia at the top because that defense right now is still so unknown, and it was a total – it was uh, you could slice right through that thing last season. But if here's the motto for West Virginia – don't suck on defense. We got a chance. That's got to be the motto for the Mountaineers because it it really should be that simple for them. We will have a lot of things. I know it's a dead time of year, guys, but we're going to have a lot of things to get you through these next couple of months to get you to uh, media days and then summer camps. We'll get you through it with position group rankings, preseason predictions, all these good things we're going to do. So just keep it tuned, heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll take care of you guys. Don't worry. We're not going to leave you hanging. Myself, Matthew Poston, Derek Duke, Brock, Dave Hill. We got you covered. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegesports.com. Thanks as always for listening, guys. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. HeartlandCollegesports.com.
1: We're one big country nation. That's right.